We are in this series called Thriving in Chaos. Now, last week I started uh, a message entitled Essential Qualities. I want to continue on that second part of that. But before I do that, I, I wanted to thank you for your patience last week in, in hanging in there with the sound. My voice was having some issues with the technology that was going on. I have no clue how our media team is able to even put this together because my voice was cutting out, yet they put a sound on top of a sound of my voice. Uh, it, it may have sounded different, but it got the word out. Do you know that in the days of Christ, he didn't have all this equipment. He, he stood on the seashore and presented that word in Galilee with the waves uh, rolling onto the shore. He stood on the mountainside and delivered that incredible Sermon on the Mount message with people sitting around him. He stood in the midst of 5,000 men plus women and children, 15,000 or more people. They were getting hungry. I'm sure there was a lot of chatter going on, but that word was going out. Listen, folks, sometimes we are, well, maybe we're spoiled, but, but this word is so vitally important. I want you to go back next week. Listen to that again, would you please? Pay attention to what is being said, not, not the sound of what is being said. And then listen to this message again. And, and I want to get into this as part two, essential qualities. You know, that word essential has become a very common word in our vocabulary, unfortunately. With this COVID uh, pandemic that is going on, did you realize that we have, uh, from March 15th on, over 33 million workers that have been put on unemployment? Millions, though, of workers are still working because they're in what is called essential jobs. Those jobs are like a healthcare, food service, uh, public transportation, and many others. And and as I explained before, I'd like to explain it again. This word essential means fundamental. It's vital. Even cardinal, you're thinking, what do you mean by that? It's so important that it is indispensable. Essential implies belonging to the very nature of the thing and therefore being incapable of removal without destroying the thing itself or its character. I thank God for our essential workers. And, you know, we, we could complain about all types of stuff, how it has, has disrupted everything around us. But, but there are people that are putting their lives in jeopardy that are taking care of people in the hospitals and serving them a multitude of ways in our nursing homes and on it goes. I, I want to pray God's blessing upon them. Would you join me again in prayer for these essential workers? Heavenly Father, it is in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that I pray for the work of your kingdom. I pray, Lord, that in these very troubling times that you will be seen in the lives of individuals who are taking that stand, who are going out into that, that battlefield, for say, to be able to do the work of which they have been called to do. Watch over them, protect them, watch over their families. And Lord, we will give you the glory 
for your protecting hand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Essential qualities. Indispensable. You know, the, these spiritual essential qualities prepare us for physical, for emotional, even for financial, especially for a spiritual warfare that we are actually in. So as I said last week, if we are going to thrive in the chaos, we need the real deal faith. Not a fake faith, not a counterfeit faith, but a faith that has been tested and proven by the worker who created us. I could still hear in my head one of those um, songs of my childhood. It says, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, all I ask is to be like him. Right now, I know that some of you are singing that. There's others of you who have never heard of that song. Google it. Look it up. It is a great song. But wow, can we actually be like Jesus? Is that possible? Well, the Apostle Paul says that is possible. He, he tells us in Romans 8, verses 28 through 29, says, and we know, we know, not just I know, and we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, this is in the Amplified Version, causes all things to work together. See, that is where we thrive in the midst of this chaos. God is aware exactly right where we are, and he's saying to us, I got this. Listen, let me go on in reading this. As, as a plan for good for those who love God. You love God? Well, he has a plan for you. And to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. There's a calling on your life, and believe me, when that calling is there, there's a purpose. And for those who he foreknew, he loved, and he chose beforehand. He also predestined, and I'll talk about that in just a moment, predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, and ultimately share in his complete sanctification. That predestined, is actually God putting in place those essential qualities that we are able to embrace them, apply them in our life, and then we become predestined for that work in which he has given to us that we could thrive and not just survive. So that he would be the firstborn, the most beloved and honored among many believers. See, Remember when that Christ, when he came, he said, to comfort all those who mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, um, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil and of joy for mourning, the garment of praise and the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees, something that is rock solid, planted, rooted into the ground of righteousness, the planting, um, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. You know, let's put the armor on. Let's take a look at all this so that we won't just 
survive this craziness, but that we would actually thrive. And, and I want to remind, her, remind you that the testing actually prepares us for battle. As you may recall, I, I was telling that there are four essential qualities that will equip us to handle the chaos in this world. Those four essential qualities will take us through that spiritual boot camp. No one likes a boot camp, but when we're on the other side of it, we're so thankful that we have been trained, prepared, ready for battle. I shared with you that very first essential quality last week, and it was on obedience. And when we have that faith enough to obey God, God will give us the strength and power enough to thrive in this chaos. That's exactly what the Christian life is all about. I love this. It doesn't make a difference whether it's a problems that are physical, emotional, or financial, or even spiritual. You're going to be held in hostage, a bondage, until you begin to obey that word of God. And when you make that effort to obey, God will set you free. Remember, God will never move until you obey. It's like that song I mentioned last week is, trust and obey for there is no other way. Want to be happy in Jesus, my friend, but to trust and obey. You see, you don't have to have a, uh, well, oh, I'm a second thing I want to talk to you about is that second essential quality is perspective. And you don't have to have a godly perspective unless, well, you don't have one, unless you've been tested. Let me say that again. You see, you don't have a godly perspective unless you have been tested. What, what happens without um, perspective is that everything is blown out of proportion. We become offended so very easy. It's, it's, it's that if someone opposes us, we feel that it's hatred, not just a difference of opinion. Uh, it, what happens is that if we don't evaluate all these things through the filter of the Holy Spirit, put him in the, the equation, things get out of proportion. Just standing in line at the grocery store for five minutes feels like eternity. When, when we don't get our way, we feel that it's rejection or worse, that it's persecution. What's that all about? You see, that when we understand what spiritual perspective really is, we can really handle this chaos that is all around us. I want you to look through the the eyes of, or the lens of the Apostle Paul, and all the persecution of which he was going through. It, it's mind-boggling. L- listen to this, that he was repeated, had uh, endured repeated flogging, whipping, beatings, assassination attempts, imprisonment, shipwrecks, and he lived on the run. Now, get ready for this, because this is staggering is that how did he look at all this? He looked at it, he said, as a momentarily troubles in the light of the heavenly glories that come. That's in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. How in the world did he get there to be able to say, well, 
this is just a momentary disturbance. But for the glory of God, what is about to happen. You see, each trial, each test, and Paul's chaotic world left him stronger, more certain than ever before that he could handle whatever is coming his way. He, he learned to rely upon the strength and the power that the Holy Spirit gave him in every single situation. And by the end of his life, listen, by the end of his life, there was nothing that the enemy could throw his way that he could not handle because he was prepared for battle. It, it teaches us that, well, that testing on the backside of it all brings great dividends. It teaches us a perspective. It takes the fear out of the things that, well, terrify others. It keeps us calm when everybody else is panicking. You see, God is teaching us, and he says to us, in this perspective, I got this. The third essential quality is endurance. See, once, again, endurance is that, that foundation of that boot camp that may stretch us to the limits, well, what it will do is often it'll take us out of our comfort zone. Well, endurance, wow. When I was in high school, and decades ago, I used to be a long-distance runner. In our meets in high school, I would run three events. I would anchor in the mile relay. I would run the 880, which was the half mile. Then I would run the one-mile race. And and I didn't win all my races. And when I was in high school, in dull competition, and running in the mile run, I never lost a race. It's, it's not that I was super good, but I was trained well. There, there were guys who were probably faster or stronger, much more talented. But I won because of endurance. And, and that endurance was that, that when I would run in practice, and that practice is my testing, I, I would run those four laps on that center track, and, and that's well equal to one mile. And doing that uh, in practice, as I ran each lap, my coach would throw a fresh runner in each lap. This crazy kid had this heart to run that I would beat every one of those fresh runners in each one of those laps. You see, what I learned is that endurance reaps great benefits, great rewards. But it's not fun getting there. The, the Apostle Paul, and, and Jesus really did understand this, is that they understood that endurance is so vitally important because they did not want us to give up. If we gave up too early, there was a consequence. If we hung in there, he knew that there was in that endurance was that sustaining strength of Christ. I, I want you to hear this because this is so vitally important to you. It's out of James, the first chapter, verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy. Got your attention? Wow, I want that pure joy. My brothers and sisters, 
whatever you face, whenever you face trials, wait a minute, I thought we were talking pure joy, something that was going to be a happy event. It says, whenever you face trials of many kinds, not once, of many kinds, because you know that the testing, say that, testing of your faith, it produces perseverance, and that the perseverance Finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Wow. I love what this perseverance could do in the chaos of this world in which we live in. Because one, who doesn't want to be mature? The second thing is, let's just throw into that mix complete. That's a whole sermon in itself. Then let's get the whipped cream out and the cherry put on top of it. And when it says, lack not anything, not lack anything. Wow. Now, that's a perseverance that I wanted to be a part of. Now, let's wrap this up. The fourth essential quality is confidence and courage. Now, pay attention to this. This is going to come up. Right beside me here is that our failures don't have to define us. Let me say that again. Say it out loud with me. Our failures don't have to define us. Because what our failures do is that they create a lack of confidence and definitely a lack of courage. But when it's how we respond to these things that is so vitally important. Instead of, of, of cursing my luck or my bad luck or blaming others and, and fail to take any kind of responsibility, when we do that, those failures continue to compile. But when we face those responsibilities, our failures begin to become the groundwork in which we are able to build this, well, essential quality that would strengthen us in the chaos of this world. Here's what we often forget, is that the majority of the biblical heroes failed spectacularly in the course of their life, and many of them multiple times. So what set them apart was their refusal to let these failures define them. See, when I refuse to allow this pandemic and the craziness of this chaos to define me, is that I become um, paranoid. But when I allow the word of God to define me, I become courageous, I become confident, and I become victorious. In fact, I begin to thrive. See, God wants to turn us into his trophy pieces. He, he wants to display us on his trophy case of glory and tell the world, see, this is what I could do. It's not easy being tested. I understand that. It is a boot camp of which we go into. But in many times, it is just downright miserable. But listen to this out of Hebrews, the 12th chapters, uh, and it's the uh, verses 11 through 12. 
and it's the English Standard Version. For the moment, all disciplines seem painful. All testings seem painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained, who have been tested by it. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Stand up. Stand straight. Raise those hands up. Because I want you to know that through all this testing, you will see God's hand in your life. And when you do not allow those failures to define you, but you allow the word of God, there comes that courage, there comes that confidence within our lives. In other words, hang in there, church. No matter what you're going through at that moment, God hasn't forgotten you. He has a plan for your life. You know that he is he knows right where you are, and he doesn't want you to just survive this mess. He wants you to thrive in it, to bring glory to his name. Remember Jeremiah 29, 11? We all know that so very well. For I know the plans and the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. The plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Wow. See, that builds a confidence because this is not some wishful thinking. This is God's promises on our lives because he has a plan for you. My friend, he has a plan for your life. These essential qualities will equip you to strengthen you to grow, not just getting by, not just surviving, but thriving in the chaos of this world. Can I, can I pray for you? And, and then after I pray is um, Pastor Anthony and Izzy, they're going to come back and they're going to sing a song. And I want you to sing it with them. The Great I Am. The Great I Am. It's who he is. He, he's got this and he's got you. Why? Because he is the great I am. He is what we need him to be.